So it was golf's Super Bowl, obviously, with the Masters. But what was to me was funny was like how many NFL stars were there? Did you see there was Mahomes was there? I saw Sam Darnold was there. Fitzmagic uh, was there. Darnold was there. Trevor Lawrence yeah. was there and on the weekend. A lot he of got, quarterbacks. And he got on the weekend. He got married. He was there. Yeah. I think there was another one or two I'm missing. It was like uh, nothing but NFL star quarterbacks. And to be honest with you, this is like the year to go if you were one of those big time like celebrities because 100%. the crowds were more limited still. It was still like a rarer ticket. You're not dealing with like the, you know, multiple thousands of people surrounded by. I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, there, was a, there was like a great shot of like, Fitz Magic with his giant beard and like his Hawaiian shirt and his like short shorts, surrounded by like ten like seemingly like teenagers who are like groundskeeper crews and just like talking and signing autographs. So that's pretty cool. The NFL I mean, get a little shine on golf. Easy guy weekend. to spot. Yeah, I mean he doesn't. He, yeah, he doesn't blend in well. That's for sure. I was talking with coworkers throughout the weekend about that, that this is the the year to go experience Augusta and the Masters because of the limited capacity, but still enough to where it feels like a, you know, a big time golf tournament. But you get to kind of relax and enjoy it without feeling the pressure and all of the, um, yeah. I guess, just the crowds and just the anxiety of it all. I, I think it was much more of a relaxed atmosphere this year. Not for the golfers, but for the fans. Where on? Let me ask you this question: Where, where on your mount or on your, um, you know, uh, bucket list is Augusta National and the Masters? Is that high, or is that something you're like, I, if I never go, I never go? No, it's it's pretty high. It's it's fairly significantly high for me. I would put it probably like a top five thing that I want to experience. Uh, and and I may have an opportunity to. We we typically cover the Masters. Uh, yeah, you're in that here every year. Uh, obviously, we didn't go last year, and then this year. Um, there were there were limitations and things like that, and we just weren't working it out. But next year, the year after, might be a good opportunity, and I may very well get to go. I would love to experience it. And some media members even get to play the course the week before. And that I mean that would be unreal. I'm ter- <laughs> I'm a terrible golfer. Yeah. But uh, but ju- but I do enjoy golfing. So see, um, I, yeah, that'd be very interesting. I am the I'm almost opposite. I going to the actual golf course and golfing on it is like top three on my list of like, Oh my God, if I had the chance, I'd love to do it. But actually going to the masters is actually pretty low on my list because I love the TV experience of the masters. And I, all I think about is like how, like, you know, where do you set up dealing with all the crowds? Uh, You know, it's, I would, I would certainly go if I ever had the chance, but I love the, it's kind of like the super bowl. I would love to go to a Super Bowl if my team was in it, to, like, be there. And, like, could you imagine being in a Super Bowl and watching your team win live? Like, that would be amazing. But otherwise, I just love the TV experience of it so much. I'm okay, like, not spending, like, 30 grand to go to, like, the Super Bowl. Oh, sure. But, if I but have, imagine imagine following Tiger a couple of years well, ago. Well, like, I getting mean, Getting yeah. to walk with him, you know, that would have been it would an be, experience unlike any other. I would probably you know? do one of those things where I would set up early at, like, the 12th. And, like, go try to get to, like, that yeah. iconic hole, watch the tee shots there, and then then walk with a favorite golfer towards the end and, and be part of the crowds for sure. But, yeah, I would love to just go to Augusta National 
on a weekend in the summer if you got invited, if you knew someone who could get you on the course who's a member there. And, you know, and, and, you know, they would hate me because I'd create divots like nobody's business <laughs> and losing balls left and right. But it would be, uh, that would be just more like to walk the grounds to see it in person would be really, really cool. But actually, have you ever gone to a PGA tour event? Like, have you, have, have you not, been to one no. in person ever? No, I've not. you're, I mean, you're not far from, you know, the John Deere classic, which is what we had in the quad cities. Yeah. Um, covering it was a different animal. I mean, we didn't. <laughs> we had to walk the entire course with our gear. So it was not, it, it was a lot of sweat and a lot of hustle the entire time. Thoughts and to prayers. Get to go and enjoy it. Um, I would imagine would be a pretty good uh, experience to, to kind of grease the wheels for you prior to the master. So you kind of have an idea of, uh, of how that, that works for people, you know, cause certain things aren't as like, you know, Walker friendly and things like that. But yeah, it, nonetheless would be a really cool experience. I hope to get to go sometime in the near future. Um, but of course this is the football lounge. So we will talk football. No worries, everybody. Although, Hey, when you got Fitzpatrick and Sam Darnold at the masters, you got to bring it up. Great hair game. It's, that's, that's right. That is for sure. Um, so today's going to be our quarterback uh, draft uh, episode where we kind of break down the, I guess the top five quarterbacks of this draft class, we kind of have tiers there, of course. And I think it, there's pretty much a consensus that after five or so quarterbacks, there's a significant drop off. So we're going to kind of rank how uh, we see these draft classes, uh, where we think these quarterbacks fit in terms of our hierarchy and, uh, and, and kind of just explore that before we give our mock draft in a couple of weeks. So that's going to be the main focus uh, of our show today. And we're going to start up with that uh, in just a few moments. But a, a couple of items uh, to discuss prior to us getting into that, Mark. We'll start with some big news that kind of dropped today. Uh, it is April 12th, uh, 2021. If you're not knowing that it's 2021, you should probably wake up pretty soon. Uh, but You're having Britt issues. Reed, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely having issues. Uh, Britt Reed, of course, the um, uh, assistant coach for the Kansas City former, Chiefs, also former. the son former assistant coach of the Kansas City Chiefs and son of Andy Reid, uh, has been formally charged with felony DWI uh, in a February crash that uh, severely injured a five-year-old girl who is still in the hospital to this day. Uh, you may remember that was obviously the big news prior to the Super Bowl, as it was literally that weekend that this occurred. He has now been formally charged, and he could face up to seven years in prison, Mark with this. So this is obviously really serious. We knew charges were coming down the pike, but now it's, it's kind of been made official here uh, that he is going to be uh, having to go through court proceedings to determine sentencing in this extremely serious incident that, um, that definitely impacted the Reed family, uh, the NFL community, and of course the family uh, of this five-year-old girl. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's that type of storyline that you, it, it's just, it's gut wrenching and, you you just want the family to feel like, hey, they can have some justice. And, you know, for Britt Reed, listen, nobody, no human being is perfect and people make mistakes, but you made the cardinal mistake you cannot make. Like you just, especially in the world in 2021 with how, and living in a, in a metropolitan city as well, like a city with resources for you to never have to drink and drive, uh, you know, you, you, it's this is one of those things where it's, it's plain and simple as you do the crime, you do the time. And uh, I, 
I I remember us bringing it up uh, uh, on our Super Bowl preview show, and and I and I do think it was a real issue for them. And remember when Andy mm-hmm. Reid took the stand as soon as the first things out of his mouth after losing that game was talking about this incident. So, uh, you know, for Andy and his family, and obviously that it's uh, it's one of those things where. It's obviously horrifically troubling for the family of the victim, uh, and 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 they're still going through it. It has been life altering as well, and you hope some uh, justice is served, and 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 you you're able to move on from this, and uh, and still be able to uh, live there. That family, the victim, is still be able to live their life and have a long life a life ahead of them. And it's just one of those stories that it's gut wrenching, and it's hard to it's just hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to talk about. I mean, it's it's not something that you want to have to address, but it's just it's the nature of the beast, right? Like when you when you're on a, a platform as big as the NFL's, uh, you you have to answer for things. And you know, if this was Joe Schmo, y- you may not hear about it in the news, but because of his status and and also, you know, the information's out there that this was a recurring problem. This wasn't yeah. the first time deal which kind of which makes it a little bit more hard to swallow um because and in general you know, really uh, frustrating and and why Britt Reed yes. doesn't deserve sympathy like there's no sympathy for Britt Reed here and right. uh, and it is doubly hard because we talk about on the show and people in NFL circles talk about how amazing of a human being Andy is and how well he's liked but that shouldn't have any influence over you know the mistakes that his son made and and uh, he's going to ultimately have to pay for them. Yeah. As we mentioned, uh, he is facing up to seven years in prison. Uh, he is 36 years old, and the uh, Jackson County prosecution team said that they are vigorously going to pursue these charges and that uh, they they made a point to state that he will not be receiving any favorable yeah, treatment he shouldn't. from Kansas City Police or the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office. So, uh, yeah, as it should for sure. Uh Transitioning to another, you know, difficult topic, Mark, and that's with Deshaun Watson. You know, we mentioned we weren't really going to talk about him in terms of his prospects in in, term, in in the NFL and as a quarterback, but the news surrounding him impacts the league one way or another, and it impacts, um, you know, where the standing is right now with Deshaun Watson and as big of a figure as as he is in the NFL. And and more news has come across over the past week. We've had more people um, enter in these. Uh, lawsuits. We've had civil suits and, uh, you know, the Houston police department has now opened up an investigation since we last talked about this. And so a lot of things coming out, Deshaun's uh, lawyer came out and, and did an interview speaking. Uh, personally, I think it was a, he kind of bumbled it quite a bit talking about how NFL teams really don't have massage therapists, uh, on hand for their players, which I don't know where it's, he, he, why he thought that was and a not thing true, to say. and just not. It's and, completely not. So, true. It's, and, it's, and it's, I think you know so. this. We talked about this before we started recording, and again, we have been silent on the Deshaun Watson thing for well over a month, and a lot of that is because, like we said um, over a month ago, we're not going to talk about this until there's something new to talk about, and there's something that's new information, and we've got a lot of that now. I mean, it's up to 22 suits. Uh, lawsuits, multiple lawyers, so you can't even throw the whole thing, well, it's just one lawyer trying to do a money grab here. Multiple lawyers, multiple women in different states. You're now having women who are coming forward and dropping the anonymity. Yes. You now have, the, yep. as you mentioned, the police department 
actually filing an, a criminal investigation. You actually have judges saying now to some of these suits in, I think, the Texas lawsuit saying if these women want to uh, go move forward, they have to drop anonymity. So we have to wait on that now. And Dan, I think I was telling you one of the main reasons I wanted to bring this back up was I'm now at the point where I'm starting to get frustrated now with the league and the Texans as an organization because now you, once again, a, a Texans organization that we have both lambasted before any of these allegations came out for just being a poorly run organization with their hires they've made, uh, the trades, all this other stuff. And we were in Deshaun Watson's corner of like, he deserves to be let go because of how bad the Houston Texans organization is. Well, they're bumbling, in my opinion, now they're bumbling this as well. I don't know how the Texans haven't come out and said, we are suspending Deshaun Watson from football activities until, you know, there's now an, on, an open criminal investigation from a police department. I know charges haven't been filed, but where is Roger Goodell? This is what the commissioner's exempt list was made for. This was literally, when we talked about dealing, you know, in the post-Ray Rice world for the NFL, this is why you have this commissioner's exempt list. All you simply do is put his name on the list. You're now the NFL can walk away from it and be clear of any of of any other having to talk about or discuss it. As soon as his name's on the commissioner's exempt list, you say, well, as soon as the you know the investigation is done from the police or charges or are or not filed, then his name can come off the list and then you move on like that. So at this point in time, I think personally, just my personal opinion as well. I am a firm believer in smoke, there's fire, and there's now a ton of smoke. And when the lawyer, his own lawyer, comes out and says, yes, these encounters happened, some of them, and is admitting to saying some of them actually happened, and now it's a he said, she said, that's where I start to say, okay, well, now I am going to believe these victims. I am going to believe these women. I want to hear their stories. I want this now to really move forward into something to where if this did take place and I believe these women, they get the justice that they deserve. So that's where I'm at. If I was the NFL commissioner, if I was the Houston Texans, I would suspend him. If I was the Texans, I would suspend him just indefinitely. Hey, he's a part of our team, but this is something now that he needs to take care of and get, you know, and move on and move forward with clear his name. And if I'm the NFL, it's as simple as put him on the commissioner's exempt list and move on. The NFL is it doesn't need Deshaun Watson. Uh, the NFL would love to have Deshaun Watson. He's an incredible talent, uh, gr- you know, a great player. But again, just do the right thing and 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 make those decisions yeah. and take it out of everyone else's hands. Even even if they needed Deshaun Watson, it's still, it still it wouldn't change the fact that it's you know doing the right yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and I totally agree with you about um, the suspensions, the exemplist, all of that. And where there's smoke, there's fire, as you mentioned. And, and what struck me, you know, what struck me as odd is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe even three weeks at this point, when the numbers started to climb significantly, and when Deshaun also, you know, his lawyer said that they were going to introduce about 18 others that would vouch for uh, his professionalism. You're getting into like 40 massage therapist territory that know you. I mean, that's absurd. I. Like, oh, I don't know any a- professional athlete that lets 40 different people handle their body because we all know professional athletes 
are extremely diligent about, you know, who's handling their food, who's taking care of their like daily structure, who's doing their workouts. Once they find someone that works, they are, they are doing everything they can to stick with that person. So the fact that it's not just like, oh, you know, some people do it's, it's really, we, this seems to be almost unprecedented in terms of the number of people that he sees. Um, that alone was enough to strike some, you know, at, at the very least suspicion and confusion. It doesn't, it doesn't make him guilty no. for that regard, but it does enter a lot of questions into the equation about how and why would something like this happen? I couldn't agree more. And I think the other part of that too, is then you start to say to yourself, wait a minute, every one of these NFL teams is a multi-billion dollar company and organization. And every NFL quarterback who's the starting quarterback for your organization has to be thought of as like employee number one, like the most important person in the room, the person that you need to trust the most to be the most authentic, you know, you're paying them the most money. They're the face, they're the voice, they're the spokesman. They are your brand in so many ways. And you start to even say to yourself, now, wait a minute, whether he did or didn't do the things he's being accused of, he is admitting to, and now his lawyer is admitting to, like, here's a guy who just loves to meet up with a bunch of different massage therapists, when that in itself is one of those red flags you say to yourself, that's not necessarily the behavior I want from my franchise quarterback when you're other great examples of great franchise quarterbacks, you know, guys like a Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson or a Tom Brady who the way they take care of their body and they keep their circles close and they're focused so much just on football where you got like just the behavior of something that'd be like a lot of ways, like your franchise quarterback, just making a lot of just bad decisions where you're just like, this is not at all what I want my franchise quarterback to be admitting to and doing, you know, and again, we don't want to beat this into a dead horse at this point. And we wanted to bring it back up to say with this new information, with the lawyer speaking, the charges now being investigated, uh, not charges, but the investigation opening from the Houston Police Department at this point in time from purely just, again, we're a football show from a football standpoint. If I was the Houston Texans, I would suspend him. And if I was the NFL, I would put him immediately on the commissioner's exempt list and make a statement saying Deshaun Watson is on the commissioner's exempt list and we, uh, we hope uh, that he can uh, – clear his name and blah, blah, blah. And that, and that if there, you know, and once this matter is moved on from, we will address it at that point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. Total agreement there. We'll see how this progresses as the weeks move forward. Uh, a couple bit of uh, note and actually something just came down the pike oh. uh, a few minutes ago, Mark. Oh, so okay. Adam what? Schefter and Mike Reese, actually we'll credit Mike Reese with this. He was the first to report it that, uh, you know, Julian Edelman showed up on today's transaction wires, having his contract terminated by the Patriots listed as a failed physical. But the expectation is that this is a precursor to Edelman announcing his retirement. So some big news there for the Patriots, obviously, you know, we had been talking about the lack of weapons. He was the one guy that you know had some stability within that receiving core now you now you take one other guy potentially out of that equation um you know and adam Schefter saying that that uh, these moves termination by the patriots etc is just part of a technicality for retirement so 
We'll certainly see how that develops, but uh, the expectation is that Julian Edelman will uh, no longer be an NFL player and will call it a career. Well, remember, he had that his season ended like week nine or ten when it was like just a and they literally list as like a routine knee cleanup. And and it's like yeah. I remember thinking to myself like uh, I've had knee surgery like and I guess that was on a torn ACL and, and meniscus or whatever. But like anytime you're willing to like go under the knife and go under it's never like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, what I do on a Thursday and I get my knee cleaned up. And I mean, you know, a lot like Wes Welker. I mean, the, you those small slot guys, and I'm sure Cole Beasley is going to be in a similar, you know, these guys who play Taylor Gabriel, another slot guy, speed yep. guy. Now, he was more over the top, too, and when his speed started going. But those guys who live in the slot, these wide receivers, they, their careers don't last as long as the guys like a Larry Fitzgerald and some of these other ones who are more about the route runner in space. You know, you're doing those seven-yard ins and getting lit up by linebackers for 10 seasons in the NFL. That's a, it's a long time to be just getting absolutely destroyed in the middle of the field. And if it's the end for Julian Edelman, I think he has a really great case of that edge of Hall of Very Good Borderline Hall of Fame because he's one of those guys where his regular season numbers will never be there, but he is just as important to the postseason runs and the postseason success for New England over the last half a decade, a decade, as Rob Gronkowski and and uh, and Tom Brady. I mean, though the catches he made, the it, the being there is that security blanket for Tom, you know. He's a great, a very, very good to great NFL player and a great career. Absolutely, yeah, yep. He, uh, you know, eleven years. I've got some of the stats here: six hundred and twenty catches, six thousand eight hundred twenty-two yards, uh, which is quite a bit fewer than I thought. I thought he would have actually been closer to ten thousand, but nonetheless, uh, thirty-six touchdowns for his career as well. He did eleven seasons, hundred thirty-seven games. Yeah, he was a staple for that team for a long time, and you know, not bad for a former quarterback nope. finding his niche in the NFL out of Kent State and uh, able to have a ten-plus year career in the NFL. And as you mentioned, you know, end up being uh, a really, really good player throughout the vast majority of his career. So yeah, kudos to him, and uh, you know, we'll see when that announcement actually becomes official. We may have uh, some more things to discuss there, but that is the case. And uh, finally, we have some uh, information. Just some speculative stuff, I guess, at this point is that the Browns are meeting with um, uh, edge rusher. Uh, oh, my goodness. Jadavian Clowney? <laughs> Jadavian Clowney, yeah. That's a, had a brain fart there for a second. Uh, Jadavian Clowney meeting with the Browns. So uh, there is some potential, uh, apparently some reports saying that the expectation is that the Browns uh, fully intend to sign Jadavian Clowney pending the, the interview process and, and a physical. But for what it's worth, uh, you know, the Browns, trying to make some moves there as well and, and, and get some uh, an extension worked out and getting an edge rusher, which is certainly one of their needs coming into this draft, uh, was another guy to, to pair on the outside. Uh, you have Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi there on the line, but you wanted, uh, you know, linebackers a big need for that team and to get someone on the outside uh, certainly wouldn't hurt, man. He's a veteran guy, and, you know, we've mentioned in the past the motor has been the biggest thing with him is that, you know, uh, uh, the the downside has been he'll be on for 75% of the game or 50% of the game, but the rest of the time, yeah, the, the effort doesn't seem to be there. But we'll see. Maybe a change of pace again for him. Maybe being on a team that's competing for a playoff spot 
might invigorate some some of that talent that we know has been there after you know being the first overall selection uh, years and years ago. No, he's one of those guys that it, it, this is the stage of his career. I, I hope he's accepting it in a lot of ways because that was the problem two off seasons ago, and 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 in going into the last off season, he was still looking for long term multi year contracts and bigger money, and he actually just ser- should serve himself better. It's just one year for higher deals as a guy that you can bring in as a situational pass rusher. He's not good against the run. He his 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 body is getting a little fragile, especially the knees and the hips. And so if you can go to a place like a Cleveland where you can come in and on third downs on law in situations like that rush the passer and get them, you know, five or six sacks in a season like and make a couple million bucks, it's a it's a, that's the part of his career for the next year or two it could extend his career if he just accepts that kind yeah. of role. And and you know what? It's a, I think it's a good move for Cleveland as well because they need they need help defensively. They certainly do. Absolutely, and it could it could be a boost to them regardless, as you mentioned, five six sacks. You'll take that if you can get some of that production um, out of a talented player like Jadavian Clowney is. All right, Mark. Um, well, without further ado, let's let's get to our quarterback right. list here. Obviously, the, this has been the biggest talk this off season heading into the draft. Every year it is because there are teams that are quarterback needy, but this year in particular with five quarterbacks being in discussion of being potentially the first five picks or the first seven, eight picks yep. uh, inside that top 10, that would enter unprecedented territory for the NFL draft. And it's, you know, still to be known whether or not that will happen, but a lot of talk Mark about the hierarchies of these lists. Who's the number two quarterback in the draft? Who's the number three and who fits with what team. So Mark and I are going to give our list uh, one through five of our top quarterbacks here and where we rank them. And uh, I'm sure there might be some surprises here as there has been in the major media outlets. You hear different stories. I know Zach Wilson rose up boards, Trey Lance rose up boards, Justin Fields fell, Mac Jones rose all over the place. I think the one fixture that we'll probably end up agreeing on is the guy number one overall. But um, if there's uh, anything you want to add to that mark otherwise we can definitely get right into it if you want to alternate picks or whatnot well yeah I, I you know I think this is just one of those things that you know for us you know this is our first off season doing this podcast so we want to give this as something that hey we can look back on in a year from now and either be like dang we were pretty good or all right that was embarrassing you know and and we should have seen this coming and we'll reassess this this is one of those things we're going to reassess post draft so once we know where all these guys end up, We'll then also predict, all right, based on where they ended up, the situations they're in, coaching staffs, where do you do? We're putting our GM hats on here and evaluating talent and saying, these are who I see and where I would rank them on my big board. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just start. I think, uh, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence has to be number one. I think Trevor Lawrence is a guy at 6'6 and at two, you know, almost 230 pounds, um, big, strong, the only thing that I even have a slight worry with Trevor Lawrence is a lot of what you know. I'll talk about with some a couple of these other guys is when you play for these big elite programs and you're playing with other guys who are five-star athletes just surrounded by five stars and you're consistently just throwing to wide open wide receivers and, and uh, it's so easy to outrun guys and he's got very good speed. He's very quick, big and strong. Um, that, you know, the windows get so much tighter in the NFL and it's not because necessarily 
you know, the corners are that much faster. You got guys, corners all over the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten who are running four fours and four fives, you know, and, oh, yeah. four, and four threes. Like, they're fast, but it's more just like the experience. Like, you got a 10-year NFL veteran corner who knows when to bite on routes, who knows, when, you know, how to read a quarterback. Um, so that's one of those things I worry, but I worry about that with every with every rookie quarterback in a lot of ways. I think, to me, the, my only concern with Trevor Lawrence is one of those things where he's going to go number one, so he's going to go to Urban Meyer and a Jacksonville and an organization that just historically it's a bad organization. And, histor- and, and when you're dealing with a coach who's never coached in the NFL, that's a concern as well. But I do see Trevor Lawrence as a, as a – elite elite talent and and one of those where physically he is Justin Herbert of last year I think Herbert throws a slightly better deep ball Lawrence has a slight um hitch in his throw where he's very he's a kind of a body thrower as compared to Justin who's I think Herbert's arms a little freer and it's just a little more of a natural look to his throw uh a little more fluid but I think that just uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is that type of guy that could land anywhere and will be successful. Like he he is not going to be a bust. He's just not going to be a guy where you look at him as yeah. like a Ryan Leaf. He's not going to be Jamarcus Russell. He's not going to be um, one of these first overall quarterbacks a Jared Goff where you look at and you go, man, I just you just don't see it. I think he is a he's an extremely talented guy. And the one thing I like more about him than I did even like a Justin Herbert. If I say physically he's Justin Herbert, but I think his charisma, smile, face, likability. I mean, he's one of those guys you saw it too. He took a stance this past year with the black lives matter movement, getting football back to go. He was very outspoken about, we want to play football. Let, let me be a voice and a leader as well as Justin Fields. Another thing I really like about Justin Fields. We'll talk about, I'm sure here in a bit. Um, I really like that about him. Justin Herbert's a very quiet guy, almost too quiet in 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 some senses. I like that Trevor Lawrence is kind of outspoken, great face, very marketable for my franchise as well. Good-looking kid. He's got the hair. He's got the swagger. And his teammates, I mean, those guys at Clemson, they would fight tooth and nail for him. You know what I mean? You'd watch those Clemson games. Oh, sure. I know you're down yeah. there in that area. And you never heard anyone being like, all right, Trevor, whatever. I mean, he's the biggest name in college football for three years, and there were still guys who like, I go to back for that guy any day of the week. Like, he didn't out-celebrity the room when he totally could have. Uh, I love that he's already married. That's a, honestly, that's a yeah. positive. Like, I think that's well, yeah, one of those he's things. A mature kid. Mature kid. You don't hear stories about this. There's no Jameis Winston crab leg stories or jumping on tables or anything like that. I, I think he's got it all. And if he's not a Hall of Famer, I think a lot of that'll have to do with God's. You know, it's it's the it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know what I mean? It's a tough organization. Right, right. A lot like a Matt Stafford going to uh, Detroit. It's it's just that some of these organizations, it's just hard to win. Yeah, it's funny that you brought that up because I was saying, you know, it could be. Uh, I think he's bust proof, as you mentioned. And it's a situation where, yeah, is is his ultimate ceiling going to be realized in the NFL? Or is it going to be a situation where he's just a really good quarterback for a long time, uh, but doesn't necessarily reach the accolades worthy of a Hall of Fame career? And, and I would say, you know, 
you take a guy first overall, of course, you're, the hope is for him to be a Hall of Famer. But I don't think ever the expectation should be that because we know that you're lucky to get three Hall of Famers out of any draft class at any given point in yeah. time. And that's just that's just tough to do. And, um, you know, it'd be fun to, to kind of look back and see all of the number one draft picks in the NFL and how many of them actually became Hall of Famers. But at the end of the day, he is one of the greatest prospects to come out of college in our generation, no question. And he is the the bona fide number one pick in this draft. And I don't know anyone that's disputing that. I mean, that's why there hasn't been much talk about Trevor Lawrence this offseason. It's a foregone conclusion. He's going to Jacksonville. The biggest question I would have is really, you know, a, a lot of times when you mentioned you're, you're thrown to some of the best players and you're dealing with also, you know, so you're playing against some of the best defenses too on top of that. A lot of times you don't have to go to your third progression very often yeah. at Clemson because Dabo and company and what they've kind of built there is that we're building it so that you should be able to be successful pretty quickly in this offense. And our first second read should be there every time just because of the athletes we have and things like that. He he can absolutely go through all the progressions. I'm not saying he can't. We, we've seen it. There is tape of that. But has he had to do it all the time in severe situations of high pressure uh, from defenses? You know, one of the biggest knocks on him is his, his success rate with pressure, particularly up the middle, hasn't been so great. And look, no quarterback's going to have great uh, numbers when they're facing pressure up the middle if they're not named Tom Brady, all right? But... The thing is, uh, those are just question marks. Those are things that you have to take into consideration and say, we don't know enough about Trevor Lawrence in these circumstances. What we do know is that he has a great arm, great size, great great mentally. He's poised. He's, he's calm and cool uh, in most situations. The biggest thing for me, Mark, is when you're talking about quarterbacks, and we'll get to this with a lot of the other ones on this list, is you see progression traits throughout years and you say, okay, yeah, so-and-so, you know, when they were 18 or whatever, didn't have it, but now as a junior, they've really grown. You know, So with Joe Burrow, you know, yeah. he, he, took, he took a long time, but sometimes it just clicks for guys. The thing with Trevor is the minute he stepped onto the field as an 18-year-old kid, he tore apart an Alabama defense that had six NFL players on it and was able to lead his team to a national championship. That is something that you don't see all the time and we don't see every 10 years. That to me is what instantly put him a light years ahead of other players. And then he was able to maintain that level of excellence when all of the pressure's on you now, now you're 18. Now you've done it. You have a lot of pressure on you. And yeah, he didn't win the national championship last year and things like that. But the point is he kept his team relevant year in and year out and was able to take that pressure and run with it. He's the number one, no question. Uh, honestly, the Jacksonville Jaguars next year, to me, are going to be one of the top five most interesting teams to watch. I'm going to want to watch every game. Yeah, definitely. A lot yeah. of it because of him. And I think the best, I think the ceiling for Jacksonville in a lot of ways is like in two years from now, like they could be like what Seattle was when they got Russell Wilson. Because remember, Pete sure. Carroll, he recruited all those guys. So like, I do think Urban Meyer has that advantage where he 
he has recruited every one of these players coming out the next three years. Yeah. And so and think about how attractive a Florida job is. We've talked about yes. Tampa Bay. All those places are great to go. Now you'll actually want to go to small yes. market Jacksonville, not just because it's in Florida, but because you have you a quarterback play with Trevor Lawrence. And you and, <laughs> and I think Urban's a guy that carries some weight in that way as well. Because he Absolutely. every guy in the NFL he recruit he recruited or knew of, you know what I mean? Or they yeah. he at least has some sort of knowledge or relationship. So I think there's a ceiling that I think the biggest thing for me is he is exactly what you want a modern 2021 NFL quarterback to be. He has he's explosive mobility, but he is a pocket passer first and foremost with very good accuracy and can make every throw in the field. And he's 6'6", yep. so he's on that board of almost being too tall, but he doesn't yeah. look like one like of, Joe Flacco. Size, but he doesn't you know? look like that Joe Flacco. He's still like he seems. Right. It's one of those where it's weird. His he's height very fit. His height is like it's like a very proportionally tall. He's not like yeah. a Brock Osweiler where it's like, good lord, that man is just too long and too weird. All right, I saw him getting on the plane to go to the uh, to, to New Orleans for the uh, the Rose Bowl, uh, uh, Sugar Bowl, for, yeah, uh, the, the the college football playoff, yeah, yeah, and the Sugar Bowl. And uh, I was amazed. I was like, wow, like he's really tall, but like his legs are like really skinny. And I'm like, oh man, like is that is that like a like gotta be a problem i was like is he is he just like really like almost too thin yeah. but then like you, you see the measurables and stuff and it's no he's just he really is just like super cut and you he's know, built no, to much, put on no body fat too. like he, yeah, he's he gonna is. you gotta remember all these guys still 22 20 like they're gonna grow into their adult bodies it's a lot like nba players when you draft a 19 or a 20 year old yeah. by the time they're 25 26 physically they're he's gonna hit that second puberty that you put on weight when you get in the NFL and you, you, that, that bulking up, you saw it with Lamar Jackson gain like 15 pounds of muscle from his fresh, his rookie year to his sophomore year. Like you see that progression. Mahomes has thickened up. And I think his body is, is going to could carry weight well and and build up to the NFL game in that way. All right. So for me, the number two, if I'm the GM and I, and Trevor Lawrence is off the board and I need to go get a quarterback the next quarterback that I want, the guy that I believe in the most, is Justin Fields. I go Justin Fields, too. 6'3", 230. He is one of those, again, high elite prospects. And in in many ways, you know, Justin Fields, to me, I watched a ton of Big Ten football. I'm a Big Ten guy. And, yeah, was the Northwestern game very concerning? It was, but Northwestern, that was one of those ridiculous games where that was their whole entire season and against the Ohio State team that was so looking ahead and against the Ohio State team that has always struggled once or twice a a Big Ten season over the past 15 years because they slightly overlook someone and they get caught sleeping a little bit because they're just way more talented than everyone else in the Big Ten. And, yeah, he wasn't great in that game. He does need to own some of that. And that's why Justin Fields is not a finished product like a Trevor Lawrence where it's a can't-miss, no-bust potential. There is some bust potential with Justin Fields. But I see Justin Fields as a bulkier, thicker, NFL-bodied version of RG3. I mean, the guy ran a – he ran a faster 40 than Kyle Pitts. Like, And everyone's talking about the freak athlete Kyle Pitts. Justin Fields, again, is a modern-day NFL quarterback with extreme upside. I mean, unbelievable upside. His concern, like every one of these guys, though, is a little bit of, okay, there are some slight accuracy issues. His deep ball 
is not as great as a as a Trevor Lawrence's deep ball. Uh, it's not as is is uh, accurate. It's beautiful. It's big. He can make all the throws. He does need some coaching. He needs a situation that is going to be surrounded by some good stuff. The only thing I worry about at Justin Fields is he's the type of guy that has such elite speed that if he is not in a great situation with a bad offensive line early, I worry that he won't he won't feel confident getting to the second and third read. And he's the type of guy that can make plenty of plays with his feet. But he's the type of body, too, that like that can break down quickly. And I worry then longevity. I worry then injuries. But I think the upside with Justin Fields is tremendous. I think Justin Fields is going to be the type of guy that we talk about where you're like, why did we ever doubt this kid? Like this kid, charisma, yeah. uh, face of a franchise, well-spoken, elite athlete. He was, I mean, again, five-star prospect, you know, full ride to Georgia, transfers Ohio State. I mean, like best of the best of the country. And I know a lot of people say, hey, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't had great success in the NFL. That's valid. There's some validity to that. Joe Burrow was Ohio State quarterback, made a transfer. He's kind of the opposite. He was not an Ohio State quarterback who was recruited by Ohio State and then made the transfer yeah. to Ohio State. I see Justin Fields. I, I really do. I, I comp him to if RG3 had a much better body for the NFL, like like just thicker. And I, I even think he's way more fluid. He's got a fluidity that reminds me slightly of Mahomes. Now, Mahomes is a much better arm but a fluidity that's Mahomes-esque. My, my, I do. I mean, I do have concerns about the accuracy, but that game against Clemson, 22 of 28, 385 yards, six touchdowns, and he torched a Clemson defense that you know really well. It was a great defense who they were very prepared for Ohio State. This was not some sort of wishy-washy uh, one week to prepare. We threw a game together. or I mean, this was a playoff game where he came – they shined, and and Ryan Day's offense is a very much a, a of a, a translates to the NFL, and you you watch him go through his progressions, throwing to guys in uh, uh, that are going to be NFL players, a lot like Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones or a lot of these top level quarterbacks. But I think Justin Fields is it would be the guy I take two overall, and 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 uh, I, I just I like his body, I like his mental toughness, and I and I think in. If you if you believe in your system and you can protect him, especially up the middle, so he doesn't have to run, uh, I would draft Justin Fields, and then I would draft only offensive linemen for the rest of my draft with with my draft with Justin yeah, Fields. Yeah. <laughs> but I put him too. Yeah, I was I was curious to see where you were going to go with uh, with number two, um, and 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 we are in agreement here. I have Justin Fields at number two as well, and um, I haven't really wavered from that. I, I question what what has happened so much in the past, you know, four months to where people have dropped him so significantly. And, you know, some, some people are citing various things there was, you know, so far as I can tell unsubstantiated reports of, of poor work ethic and things like that. I, I don't know um, if those have, have been fully seen yet. Um, but nonetheless, not just his 2020 season, which, you know, for every Northwestern performance, you have that Clemson performance, as you mentioned, and it's about how you respond, and it's also about how do can you perform when your team needs it the most, and when your back's against the wall, when literally 
this is do or die time. And he did that. He shocked the world. A lot. I, mean, I don't know many people that had Ohio State winning that game, even though they had all the respect in the world in terms of the talent. Everyone just assumed it's Clemson all the way. Clemson is getting to the national championship game. And this is Trevor Lawrence is going to ride off into the sunset. Justin Fields put a wrench into that. And not only did he play phenomenally in terms of uh, his passing and his ability to dissect the defense, but the toughness. We saw the shot he took to the ribs and the ability for him to be there for his teammates. Those are the types of intangibles and things like that that you don't really get in terms of the pure scouting of his arm. These are the types of things where it's like, this guy's a leader. This dude's a baller. And those are things I don't think that can be overstated either. Going off of that, um, I you know I mentioned we're not just talking about his 2020 season. 2019, the guy threw 41 touchdowns to three picks. Yeah, and his first year at Ohio threw, State too. Yes, yeah. After leaving Georgia, he he comes there, new system, new everything. Throws for 3,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, three picks. Rushes for 10 touchdowns and almost 500 yards. He's he is ready made for what the NFL needs right now in terms of the sideline to sideline type of motion from offenses. Yep. And then he has that ability to take those deep shots. As you mentioned, it's not as polished, but you know, we we are he he has the misfortune of being compared to the number one guy in this draft class. And that's, you know, it's not his fault that he's in the draft class with Trevor Lawrence. To me, he'd be the clear number one pick if it weren't for Trevor Lawrence. He's that guy that can bring the play action mobility. If you want to operate a system like a Matt Nagy system with the you know smoke and mirrors, he's a good guy to have with that because he's a guy that can give you those yeah. options on read options uh, to run and to actually have that option all the time instead of like, oh, maybe we can take a shot once or twice with a running quarterback. No, this is a guy that you can actually – the defenses are going to have to game plan – for that mobility constantly. And you mentioned RG3 as a comp, and I think that's a good comparison because defenses, that's what led to his Rookie of the Year campaign. Kyle Shanahan was able to get so much out of him with that because they were able to use all of that motion, that athleticism from the quarterback play, but also have the threat of actually being pinpoint uh, accuracy, throws on the run, things like that. That's what Justin Fields brings to the table. And PFF... Uh, you know, they're not perfect. They don't grade on the, you know, absolute perfect scale. I think there are disagreements for sure that we've had, but I think more than not, they end up being more right than wrong. And they were the ones to put out there on attempts since 2019 past the first read. Justin Fields has more success and is more accurate than any quarterback. And yeah. that includes Trevor Lawrence. So we're talking about a guy that cerebrally, seems to be prepared for the next level as well, able to to break down film and able to make those progressions. Uh, you mentioned you, you hope that he can get to that point to where he's able to realize that talent because he has it. It's just will he be on a team that allows him to get to that point yeah. of the second, third read. I think that's a valid point, but I agree. I have him at the number two because I think the raw athleticism paired with the experience and the production that we've seen over time Uh, makes him uh, a clear number two guy for me. Every quarterback has some blemishes and uh, he's not, he's, he, he certainly has a couple and those, uh, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't brilliant in, in that um, Alabama game, but that was one of those where it's like when your defense literally cannot like he had no chance. I mean, like there was, that was, that was, 
you throw anyways, you know, so I, I, I agree. I, I think that the, the hate on, on him has just been, it's come out of nowhere and it's being overanalyzed. And I, I, I think personally what a lot of it is, is I think a lot of GMs and NFL teams are using journalists to, to, to put this narrative out there yeah. that probably isn't actually manifesting behind the scene. Now, I could be wrong. And I know a lot of these journalists really trust their sources, but at the end of the day, these sources want these journalists to say, yeah. Oh yeah, we're not, we're not looking at Justin Fields. So we, we definitely think it's Zach Wilson and then, you know, turn around and actually take Fields. So We'll see what, what, what plays out in the draft. I, I'm very curious to see um, how Justin Fields actually lands with NFL teams. I agree. All right, uh, Dan, I am going to – I think this is maybe where we might start to see some disagreement. Uh, for To me, the third quarterback on my big board would be Trey Lance. So I am buying into the ceiling. I'm buying into the upside. 6-4, a thick, strong 230 – here is a kid who is got very, very, very little, uh, you know, t- certainly only played one game last year. So yeah, you're, yeah. I'm ba- not much experience, not much, yeah. not much, especially in like big game experience. And you can make the argument. He played for the Alabama of the FCS. So he's, he was playing with the best players in the, his perspective league. Uh, but he was extraordinarily good <laughs> with those players. Twenty-eight touchdowns, yes. no picks uh, as a as a junior in, at, at North Dakota State. And uh, listen, I, I it's one of those things where I I just have to say to myself, trust my gut. I don't. I, I if I block out all the other noise that I hear from Greeny and ESPN and Get Up and all these things. And I just, when I look at film, when I look at highlights, when I, when I overall, I hear nothing but great things about his character, his work ethic. And when you watch the film, it's like, dear God, let's not overthink that this is exactly, again, what the modern NFL quarterback looks like upside wise. And I know it's North Dakota State to the NFL, but we've seen small school guys make that jump more recently with Carson Wentz. And I think mentally he's just not, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about his being a head case at all. I do think there is going to be a a leap in progressions. And I really hope he ends up with a, with a a roster where he can sit for a year uh, and he can uh, have a coaching staff who will take care of him. Like Mahomes was taken care of. Cause I really think, based on just pure raw talent and, like, ceiling upside, he's closer to Lawrence as far as ceiling and upside than anyone else. I take Fields over Lance based on what I've seen, and I my eyes don't lie. The production, the talent, the big games, uh, and, and all that stuff we just talked about. Lance, I am taking a little bit more of a flyer on Dear Lord just look at the raw ability. Look at the, look at the you know, shirt off on the pro day and – holy smokes i'm blown away by all this and but i trust my gut in that way and i'll I'll be willing to stick my neck out for trey lance as a as a kid to bring him in from a small town in minnesota uh as a as a guy that is you know now going to be having a chip on his shoulder is going to already knowing when you go to a north dakota state you're going to have that chip on your shoulder to prove it to be an nfl quarterback 
And I just think that he's the type of guy that also has been around a winning program, has dealt with expectations, and dealt with them well. Uh, you know, like you, you're the quarterback in North Dakota State. We're not joking when we say that's like being the quarterback at Alabama or Ohio State or Notre Dame, where you're expected to win, and you are, you got to come in there and win. And they don't they don't lose, and you don't you know that's a lot of pressure in that program to win championships, and uh, he did nothing but win and was very, very good when he had the chance to get on the field. So I personally would take Trey Lance. Uh, he's third on my big board as far as uh, is, is drafting a quarterback in this year's draft. And, yes, I get it. He's got the biggest, I think, also bust potential in the same way that maybe a Josh Allen did because you're banking on just raw talent and raw ability. And Josh Allen – that was the bank on him. He luckily landed with an organization that totally took care of him with a great Stoke coaching staff that built around him. If Trey Lance gets what Josh Allen did, I think in three years we could be talking about Josh uh, Trey Lance the way we talk about Josh Allen. Yeah, environment's going to be a big part of his success, I think, for sure. And I agree with you that uh, Trey Lance is a guy that probably needs a year or two to sit, and, and that will be a huge benefit to kind of his progression. This is where we deviate for sure. Three, I do have Zach Wilson there. And, um, you know, part part of the, uh, I, I guess, philosophy behind putting Zach Wilson at this spot is that he kind of has a combination of experience, proof of progression, um, mobility, talent that the NFL is looking for. And, look, you know, B, BYU is the, the, one of those organizations that has had success at the quarterback position, and, and they've churned out some good quarterbacks, uh, even, you know, going back to the, the punky quarterback for the Chicago Bears uh, the last Super Bowl. They won uh, with Jim McMahon. But here, here's the thing with Zach Wilson uh, for me. I do think he's he's still raw, and I think he also would benefit from a year sitting uh, and not having to be thrown into the fire right away. But his progression from 2019 to 2020 was very, very significant. And to me, that, that that strikes me as someone that, you know, things something clicked where it was he had the capability and the talent, and it was realized this past year in his junior season at BYU. Uh, 3,700 yards passing, 33 touchdowns, three picks. He's really accurate. He has great... He can see the field well, which I think is a, one of those things that is very, is very important transitioning to the NFL because you can have the arm strength, you can have the mobility, you can have uh, some of those other, um, you know, I guess, uh, if you want combine stats that, that kind of wow people. But to be able to see the field well and to be able to read defenses is, is an extremely important aspect of, of moving to that next stage. And I think he has that. I think he's a guy that that can read the field well. And, you know, the, a knock on him, similar to that of Trey Lance, is the, you know, he played at BYU. He's not a Power 5 conference kind of guy. He didn't necessarily see the best defenses game in and game out, as opposed to guys like, you know, you could you could say that played in the SEC or the Big Ten. So those are some of the knocks on Zach Wilson. But I think he has a good combination of some of those skills, similar to like Kyler Murray, where, he has a lot of really good escapability and mobility there, but he's very accurate where he can kind of make up for some of the downfalls where maybe, yeah, he's not the biggest guy on the field. Um, but he's also, he's 6'3", 210. It's like he's not a small guy. You know, he looks small out there on the field comparatively. You know, he's not, he doesn't have the size <clears throat> of a uh, of a uh, Justin, or I'm sorry, a, 
uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, and he's not bulky like you know a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, but it, but he has kind of a good mix of all of these things. And, and to me, you know, with, with with so many teams showing so much interest, I think that's a good sign too. Of like, you know, I'm we're, we're not here. Like, I'm not sitting here studying film for 24 hours a day. There's, you know, it's just not. Now what's happening? So I, I will defer to the judgment also of, of what a lot of scouts and a lot of teams are saying. And they're saying that, you know, Zach Wilson is a pro-ready quarterback. I think he's going to be one of those guys, though, as you mentioned with Trey Lance, where environment plays a key key role. Because I think Justin Fields could succeed in in a lot, a lot of places. I think Trevor Lawrence will exceed, could succeed literally anywhere. I don't know if Zach Wilson could. I think he his environment's going to play a big part of that. Similar to, you know, maybe, who knows if just, uh, Josh Allen you mentioned. Like, who knows if Josh, Josh Allen would have been what he ha- is now if he didn't land with Sean McDermott. I think similarly of Zach Wilson in that regard. Um, I just think he has kind of a, a, a good it factor and, and a good balance of a lot of what you want. Mobility, accuracy, can read defenses, um, and can can excel in um, chaos. If, if something breaks down, Zach Wilson has still shown that he can make plays out of that, and those are good traits to have going into the uh, into the NFL for sure. Okay, so I have Zach Wilson at four, and I will say this. I am – I am obviously, this is, to me, the one where it's like, I realize this could bite me in the butt. Like, he's the, he's the guy I'm low on that could end up being, uh, you know – Mahomes-esque because when you watch the highlights, there are times where you're like, dear God, that looks like Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. it really does. It's the fluidity. It's like almost like a baseball player playing quarterback. He almost He's a great improviser. He almost looks like a, a, a shortstop, like a great shortstop at times. Off-platform, mobile, just w- arm at weird angles and making, and making incredible plays. Now, again, 33 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 73% completions percentage. Yes. That's all that's extraordinarily impressive. Why I am cautious here and why I move him down, I don't see his ceiling the way I see the ceilings for those three other guys that I put ahead of him. And when I am when I am ranking quarterbacks and I'm thinking about draft, I'm thinking to myself, where in in the NFL, I'm taking a quarterback in the first round to be the face of my franchise. I'm looking 10 to 15 years, longevity, high ceiling, uh, pinnacle, pinnacle. And my biggest concern with Zach Wilson is he needs, in my opinion, to be as successful as he could be, needs to end up in a Kansas City-type situation. A coach who completely embraces what makes him unique and special. And there, I think there's only one or two of those type of coaches in the NFL. You're more likely going to get a lot more guys who are like a Matt LaFleur who even go to Aaron Rodgers and say, no, 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 play in my system and fit in my system. And I just don't think he is talented enough as a pocket quarterback to completely play within yeah. that system. Now, I could look like a big fool, and I do think he's got – real upside and he is a special talent. I I I think there's a lot to be said in a BYU locker room. And and I again, I I I think this is all let's just we're adults here. 
BYU is a different type of program. It is. And that school no is a very different type of school from an Arizona State, a Clemson, an Ohio State, an Alabama, and the type of people that you have to recruit in a lot of ways. You are looking to recruit guys who are a lot more like guys who are going to be at a Stanford or a Notre Dame, but even more so in a unique way and living in a unique environment and, and buying into that and most likely buying into that for four to five years. So just, I'm just, is, are you trying to tell me Zach Wilson has special underpants? Well, I'm not. I'm just, what, we're what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, to be in that environment and surrounded by those types of young men, and being the very good-looking, he's a gorgeous-looking man, young man. He's very attractive. Being all of that, and not being voted a captain to me is a gigantic red flag. Because yeah, that is an indictment. You're no going to be into a locker room being taken most likely second overall, and you're going to have a lot of guys in that locker room who are men, 30-year-old men. And you coming in here pretty-faced, you know, young guy from BYU with all this hype and all this high expectation, and the only person – in the draft, who the, the, they thought was better than you was a generational Trevor Lawrence type talent. Good luck to you. That, that's all. A, a lot of it is, is for me is is personally that I would think to myself as well. I bring you into my locker room and I have a Khalil Mack. I have a, a veteran guys like men on my team, and that's who you make. like. There's I will I would be so wanting to be in the room. The first question I'd ask him is why were you not voted captain? Like what was the reason? Yeah, like that, I, yeah. that's what I would want to know. And yeah. I know that might seem I, silly, but again, I'm talking ceiling. I'm talking 10 to 12 years of my franchise. I'm talking, you know, I, I need all this. I need all this upside. And I do worry about that with Zach Wilson. And I am, I could it be though, perhaps yeah. just, just throwing this up. Okay. Could it be that, you know, you mentioned like he is a good looking quarterback at BYU. I mean, the fact, what if he just didn't adhere to the lifestyle? And maybe. That many of the team and and they 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 didn't agree with that and so they're like well you're really talented so we want to keep you at you know at the school as our quarterback but maybe the other players are like well if we if we don't get to live um, a more free lifestyle maybe. but the quarterback does maybe they resented him in a but sense. again you know, there that could be. well again though then I would I I would just say like if you're the guy you're the leader uh, don't ostracize yourself from the team then you know what I mean yeah that's fair I, that's fair. again I, it sounds silly but I you know what I'm gonna put my neck out there and I'm willing to be ripped for years to come saying I am not that high on Zach Wilson overall and in a lot of ways I wouldn't take him before the other three guys I listed, and I certainly uh, – I wouldn't take him certainly to be my star. Again, I think he's would benefit, I agree with you, in a situation where he has a year to get used to what the NFL is. But he's he's going to be thrown to the Wolves in sure. New York, and Godspeed to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, t I totally agree with you there. Um, for, four for me, so like these four and five were extremely close for me. I felt like Zach Wilson was firmly implanted at number three and on, on my list. Four and five were fairly interchangeable. I have Trey Lance edging out Mac Jones clearly um, as as that number four. And for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, um, the, the reason I have him at four, though, is, is just because of the rawness. And, you know, it's not his fault no. that, you know, he's – He's not the guy that uh, got recruited by the bigs. Um, 
but he had as successful of a career as you could expect out of a player uh, at North Dakota State, and he has all of those physical tools. I mean, I don't, I don't really need to rehash everything you talked about because I agree with pretty much everything you said in terms of what Trey Lance brings. The big, the biggest reason that he's just not like super high on my board, or you know, number three or edge out Zach Wilson is I, I, I actually think Zach Wilson has a higher ceiling than Trey Lance, but I, I think that um, Trey Lance is and, and, and a higher floor as well. I think Trey Lance's floor could be fairly significant and, and quite low. Um, and I don't know if, I, from what I'm seeing from him in terms, I, I don't know if the accuracy is there enough for me to say this is a guy that could be MVP and, and lead an NFL franchise for 12, 13 years. I could be way off on this and, and be way wrong. To me, he strikes me as a franchise caliber quarterback who will be could be really, really good, but I don't see him in in the potential of a Hall of Fame career type of deal. Whereas the other guys, I think, could they show on tape that they could potentially get there for me. And it could just be that Trey Lance isn't playing against the competition, and I have like there's some bias brought into that situation. But I think not not playing against Power Five teams, not playing at the D one one A level, uh, playing in the FCS. There are a lot of question marks there. And if he's not in a highly structured system, I do wonder how he'll be able to, to do. So as a GM, I'm saying, okay, the top three guys are off the board. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson are gone. Who do I want here? And obviously we, the choice, you know, there's no question. And maybe it is for you, but the, the, there's no question. Mac Jones or Trey Lance comes into, in, into the question here at number four. And in, in my view, I'm going to go with the guy that, that has higher potential in, in, in that regard. I think it's Trey Lance, clearly, who has more athleticism, who can run a pro-style offense that is predicated on movement and play action, which is one as, as a GM, I, would, I think I would want that in terms like the Jimmy G's of the world, to me, still can succeed in the NFL, but it's not one that I want to put the, the – if I'm starting a franchise from, from fresh here, I want a guy that can actually provide splash – and that can provide big play opportunities outside of structure. And uh, and I think Trey Lance gives that more than maybe the next guy in Mac Jones. But I do worry still that Trey Lance may not function as high in a system where, hey, we can't, you're going to have to improvise more. I do worry about that. He has the athleticism to improvise. But does he does he have that ability to improvise at the NFL level and find those guys open and actually, you know, move his way out and throw on the run and make all of those plays necessary. Those are just some of the question marks I have. Again, could be way off. This could be something a year or two down the road where I'm just complete, completely whiffed. Um, but I think where he goes is gonna, he's the one guy in this entire list where environment is going to play Huge. the biggest role yeah. in his success. And I agree with you in that, in that regard. Uh, so Trey Lance, number four for me. I think he's a great story. Could be great. We'll just have to kind of see how things go because what we see from Carson Wentz is so far, you know, he had a very high high, but he had very low lows, and his biggest problem seemed to be rushing things and trusting his talent too much, and I worry that maybe a similar thing could happen with Trey Lance there where hero ball comes into effect rather than the structure 
um, of an NFL offense and trusting your reads and things like that. So totally. we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Totally. I, I think what it comes down to for me, why I go Lance over Wilson too, is I think Lance at his, at, you know, could be, you know, what, what Carson Wentz was when Carson was at his peak. I really could see that at type of peak, ceiling. Yeah. I yeah. see Wilson's ceiling is, I, I just don't know if he's that. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I just, Wilson is is a little more of a, a mystery for me in that regard. And uh, anyways, you know, I, I put Mac Jones five, and I will say this. His season was extraordinarily impressive. His numbers were better than Joe Burrow's, and Joe Burrow was like record-setting numbers. I mean, 77 completion percentage, 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. I would like Mac Jones a lot more if he were two inches taller and four and 35 pounds heavier as well. I, Mac Jones does not have modern NFL escapability and mobility. And then when you add into the fact that he's not like six, five and just kind of a big bruiser, like even like a big Ben where it's like, Oh, well no, but he's so big. He can just kind of fight guys off and escape and stand in that pocket. He's a, he's an average size quarterback, six three, you know, two twenty, and that's what that's what you know. He's like that's okay. So he's ten pounds, fifteen pounds heavier than Zach Wilson, but I get none of the yeah. shiftiness, the <laughs> hips, the the mo, the fluidity that I get from a Zach Wilson. Here's the thing with with Mac Jones. If it's true, Mac Jones goes to San Francisco. I think he could end up being a multiple Pro Bowl guy, like because. I trust Shanahan, and I trust the talent they have in San Francisco. I think if Mac Jones goes pretty much anywhere else, I, I see him as Kirk Cousins, maybe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, how am I supposed – and it's not his fault that he went to Alabama and he's throwing to wide receivers that are NFL-like starting wide receivers, all of them, and they are destroying guys off the line, and they're 20 yards open down. Like, it's not his fault. And he did a great job of hitting every one of those guys when they're yeah. completely wide open and out scheming everyone. That's a that did great. When was the last time Mac Jones trailed in a game? Like his junior year of high school, maybe? When was the last time that Mac Jones was getting destroyed by bigger, stronger athletes and he needed to show toughness like a Justin Fields or just like gritting something out? And 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 also, to be honest. We saw Tua in the NFL last year. It was not that impressive. And you're telling me he couldn't beat out Tua? Like, I, right. I, you know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a red flag, too. Like, he did what every, what every quarterback at Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, the elite quarterback, should do. You should light up the world and look like a first-round talent with your numbers. But nowhere in the scouting of Mac Jones, even in the middle to end of last season, did anyone have Mac Jones is a high top 10 pick. He has flown up draft boards, and I think a lot of it is because Kyle Shanahan has fallen in love with Mac Jones. And I think the reason Kyle Shanahan has fallen in love with Mac Jones is Kyle Shanahan has had a shaky NFL career with quarterbacks. The best time he had with a quarterback was with Matt Ryan when he made Matt Ryan the MVP when he was the offensive coordinator. And I do think at his ceiling, Mac Jones could be Matt Ryan-esque. But I don't want to take Matt Ryan in the top five of the modern NFL. I want to take someone who compares a lot more to a Josh Allen in the top five of the modern NFL. 
That's just not what I want anymore. So, personally, Mac Jones, while I think that he could have a very successful NFL career depending on where he lands, for me personally, I am not as I would not be as so giddy to get him into my program, uh, and I so I have him fifth. This is an interesting. I don't know. Like I, I think Kyle Shanahan's reputation with quarterbacks is pretty significant outside of just Matt Ryan. I mean, you got the the RG three. No, but I, well, I guess what year, I'm year trying year to say is like, like RG three. He saw RG three get injured, and like I like two mobile gets injured. Right. He sees a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, undersized, too fragile. I don't want to deal with that. He also, you know, so I think he sees Mac Jones okay. as healthy. Like, just a sturdy, like, you know, he's got tree trunk legs, sturdy, in the pocket, throws off his back foot. I mean, Mac Jones has a lot of qualities you like. And as yeah, for yeah. a guy like Shanahan just goes, I just need a quarterback to stay healthy for 16 games, 17 games, and is accurate. And Mac Jones is that. His, but, uh, but, like, he's a lot like Matt Ryan in that way. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's I, what I was I trying to say in that regard. Yeah, yeah, he makes yeah. quarterbacks – appear better but he at this point i think Dude. kyle shanahan i think he sees a justin fields and goes yeah duh that guy's got more upside or trey lance yeah duh that guy's got more upside but upside also yeah, he, I saw he wants RG3, more it led to getting injured right right yeah that, that's fair too you know and you know a whopping 14 yards rushing this past year from mr mac jones <laughs> that is uh at 0.4 yards per rush yeah. i might add so obviously with the sacks included but Nonetheless, um, yeah, we're we're in large agreement there at number five with Mac Jones. Um, I think, I think the system he goes in is uh, is going to have to be a pro style offense, much like Kyle Shanahan, which is why that does make sense with San Fran and why they're interested in him. I have my skepticism about him actually going there at number three, but you know, nonetheless, uh, that is quite a possibility. And we do know that Kyle Shanahan by all reports does like him a lot. Look, 77% completion percentage, Look, he exceeded what Tua did at Alabama. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that. Like, like Tua had a lot of success at Alabama and Mac Jones had more, you know, he, he was the guy, uh, that, you know, very well could have been number one in Heisman voting. He finished third, but a lot of people talked about what a phenomenal season he had. I mean, it was in many regards Burrow-esque of what Burrow did at LSU. 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four picks. And to jump onto a scene as a first-year starter, that's a lot of pressure to be able to do that regardless of the talent you have around you. There's a lot you have to prove in one year as a starting quarterback. And for him to have the season he had still should speak to the quality of play that he can provide on the football field. I think he's more athletic than maybe some are giving him credit for. I think he he's much more mobile than uh, a Jimmy G, for instance. And I think he's even more a little more mobile than a Kirk Cousins or a Jared Goff. Um, I think I could probably equate him more to a Matthew Stafford in that regard, like a guy that can kind of stand in there, take hits, a guy that can move the pocket a little bit. Uh, and, and work within the pocket pretty well. He does have good feet inside the pocket, so he, he's athletic there. Um, you know, so there are qualities, as you mentioned, to like about him from that respect. And he stands tall in the pocket. He delivers strikes. He he does take some hits, uh, but he just hasn't taken a lot of them. And he hasn't been, you know, in those situations where, hey, you're in the fourth quarter, you got to lead your team to a comeback. So we don't have those. Those are the mysteries 
Those are the questions. Is he a guy that can do this? And that's the problem when you're evaluating quarterbacks in particular. Quarterbacks, that one position where there are so many circumstances in a game and so many different factors that could contribute to you being a good or bad quarterback. And some guys just, we don't have that exposure on film to know. And so that there are so many questions with a running back. Does he have vision? Those are typically the biggest things you question with the running back is, okay, does he have the size speed for one? Does he have the breakaway capability? Uh, Does he have, can he uh, break tackles with efficiency and can he read defenses and read defensive lines and see the hole? Those are all things you can evaluate the uh, running back to a pretty full extent on a tape from just one season of tape. You can find out pretty quickly whether a running back can actually do those things. Some quarterbacks, you just, you will never get that opportunity with Trey Lance. We'll never, we never got the opportunity to see how he fared against a Clemson style defense. Can he read certain things in that regard? So, you know, there are differences with evaluating quarterbacks and it's just, Hey, that's why people whiff on them so often. That's why there's so many question marks going into an NFL quarterback's career. And that's why a guy like Ryan Leaf can be the clear consensus one or two pick in the NFL draft and end up being a complete and total bust. There's just so many unknowns. And with Mac Jones, you know, he's, he's a victim of that in, in essence, um, you know, and he doesn't have the athleticism that pops on tape. That's going to hurt him. That's, he doesn't have the benefit. You know, a lot of guys rise up boards at this time of year because pro days. Wow. Look at that. Or, you know, the combine, look at those stats. He's not really going to be a guy to provide that. But I think at the end of the day, he can excel in a system. And look, if he does end up being Kirk Cousins, that's not the worst thing in the world. No. You know, like we don't we don't think Kirk's a great quarterback, but we also he's not bottom five in the league. And he's a quality starter. And if Mac Jones ends up being a quality starter, maybe that's all you need in the NFL. It's too rich for my blood to put him a top three would quarterback. Would you take him that's in the, the first round, why. though? I, and then that's the question is I would, if, if you have a dire need, I would, if it, it, it that would, to me would depend on, total but again, I would, if, if you're, if you're a Pittsburgh like yes. me and say he falls exactly. to 20, I don't think I'm taking him. I, I don't think I'm taking him first round though. Like I, Interesting. See, I if, would. if the, if the entire future of my franchise, like depended on it, I'm not going to take a flyer on a guy that might be like a decent quality starter. I'm going to want to go for a guy that, you know, I'm going to try and move up and get the guy. But if you're a team like San Fran, I don't think they need it. If they're going to take him, I don't think they needed to take him at three. I think they're they're a team that can win now with a lot of quarterbacks. Mac Jones would be a good one to have mid to late first round for a team like San Fran, yeah. where everything else is in place for him to succeed. And he could go and have a quality career with them. Pittsburgh, he would you'd have a great defense and quality weapons around him, but I I just question if that's a guy you want to lead your franchise for the next ten I years. I see Mac Jones. I don't know. I see Mac Jones is the guy that if he's not taken by San Francisco at three, I think he could fall towards the end of the first round, and then maybe someone trades in to get him. Like because I think th- yeah, that could NFL be. teams like drafting quarterbacks in the first round because they get that extra fifth year. They have the option for that, and it's cost control in right. that way. I'll say this. Um, I think we agree on on a lot of that. And I think our list, you know, besides, you know, Wilson and Lance, we're both, we both would agree. I wouldn't take either of them one or two overall. I would more of, I would more like, you know, I'd love to get them more mid round. If I could, I wouldn't certainly trade up for that necessarily. Now, if I am a franchise that's starved of a quarterback, if I were the bears, I would trade up to four to get a Lance. 
uh, or Fields if they're available. I would. That, but that's just me. Yeah. yeah. So, but would you? Would you want? Would you like? For, okay, this is a perfect example because we talked about you know the Steelers who are who are you know quarterback needy at least down the road. But for the Bears, like if, if he. If he felt like, say, you had the twenty-first pick, like, do you want them spending that twenty-first pick on Mac Jones? Then, if he fell to that point, if Mac like, Jones would, is would there at twenty-one, cool no, I'm not high enough on Mac Jones. Where I, I'm not. I, yeah, I, that's you know, I would. That's my point too. Yeah, I, it's and it's tough, but you know, if they do, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll tuck myself into it. Yeah, of course, but right now, <laughs> sure, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, right now, I have to at that. Point, I think but. the other three quarterbacks. I just want to mention really quick: Kyle Trask. Kellen Mund, and then this Davis Mills out of Stanford who's getting a lot of run yeah. right now. I like, I actually like all three of them in, for their own unique ways, but none of them I would take in the second round, or certainly none of them I would take in the first round. And a lot of that is more based on – I would take all of them, though. I'd be willing to take a flyer on all three of them in the third round. And here's why I say third over second. Because look at what happened with uh, Jalen uh, Hurts in Philly. Second round is so still rich enough to where your fan base will clamor and be like, well, you took him second. Like a second rounder is still like should be a starter on your team. First and second, yeah. but third rounders where you get into that's a development guy with a high upside or like a low end starter because you're like desperate in need at somewhere. You know what I mean? But yeah. so I can convince my fan base, no, third round for a quarterback is we wanted to get this guy in our system, see where he is. I could see Kyle Trask or Kellen Mund especially doing really well in the third round, you know, in a in a system where uh, they, they don't have the pressure of, like, competing for the job right away, but, you know, could, could learn for a year or two. Like, if you're a, a Tampa yeah. uh, who doesn't, you know, doesn't need starters, you know, if you're a uh, – if you're a Minnesota taking Kyle Trask, a guy who's kind of opposite of Kirk Cousins, big, 6'5", 240, big arm, op- you know, makes a ton of mistakes, like, you know, uh, uh, compared to a Kirk Cousins who's uber, uber safe underneath accuracy, and just say, hey, yeah. we have Kirk for two years. Kyle Trask, let's get you here in the third round, and maybe, you know, you push Kirk Cousins, or and then maybe we can we can sit you with no pressure of saying, Hey, we got two years to look at this guy, and then maybe we run with him, or if we really like him, and he's a hidden gem, or something like that. So those mm-hmm. are guys I would. I or if my Bears were to take a Trask or a Mund in the third round, I'd be happy with that because then I could, if Andy Dalton's a total disaster by week five, then I could say, hey, hell, throw the third rounder in there. What do we got to lose? Let's see if this kid's got anything. I think yeah, you know, yeah. or a Washington in that situation, or a Carolina. Take a, but you don't. You, Darnold's clearly your starter, but you take a guy to where if Darnold's a complete disaster by week seven, week eight, you say, "All right, we got a young guy to just throw at the board." I, I like. I think Mund. What I like about Mund and Trask both is they're they were three year starters and their completion percentage jumped every year. So like they they were clearly getting better at reading defenses, being more accurate. Their interceptions went down. And their completion percentage went up. Multiple year starters in college, that's what I look for. And they, uh, yep. they all have the size, and they can make all the throws. They have good good NFL arms for sure. I like Helen Mond a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's a good I like Trask there. a little more um, than Mond, I'll be honest. Okay. I think Mond, yeah, I, I would put Mond Mond's over Mond's got that kind of Trask like Philip Rivers low elbow thing. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. But Trask, yeah. my yeah. problem with he Trask does. is it's like, dude, stop throwing interceptions against Oklahoma. What the hell right, are you doing? right. 
Like, what yeah, the hell yeah. are you doing? M- Mond has moments of like, holy cow! Yeah, like, he does. You know, he has he has some really impressive moments, and he's mobile, and he could do things. Um, he, he's maybe a little bit more raw than Trask is. Trask has seen more, uh-huh. I think. Um, and and he's he 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 would probably be a little bit more NFL ready. One guy I'll throw out there is a very late pick. Some some total flyer, some guy that likely you know may not even make a roster, but someone that I think could be intriguing to see if maybe they can get something out of him would be Sam Ellinger because yeah. I think he's a guy for all of the he never materialized into what Texas needed and wanted, but Texas itself never materialized yeah. to what Texas needed and wanted. Texas has been one of the most underperforming programs in the entire country for a long time at this point, and. It's possible that a guy like Sam Ellinger, who had so much promise, and a lot of people thought he could he could be a really you know high draft pick one day. Perhaps it's just the system and it's just the circumstances that maybe if you give him on a team where he can sit for three years, he could maybe develop into a guy that could start in the NFL for a little bit. He so needs I, to be, be an intriguing one to like a six seven round pick for me. He needs to be either Trevor Lawrence's backup, but you take him late. Because Jacksonville doesn't have, I mean, they got. I guess they have Gardner Minshew. Well, they got Minshew, you know. But, you, yeah, but I think or he needs to be fun. like he needs to be uh, Kyler Murray's backup, or he needs to be like Lamar Jackson's backup, or he needs to be like yeah. Russell Wilson's backup. Because he has a similar game to those guys, where your offense wouldn't necessarily change completely. Now, no one's Lamar Jackson X, but Ellinger loves to run the football, and he's tough. Yeah, and he does have some straight line speed in that regard. And I think you could convince him as like, hey. We're going to draft him in the fifth round, sixth round or undrafted free agent is to be a guy, to be one of those guys' backup. Like, he'd be a great yeah. backup for Kyler Murray, a great backup for Lamar Jackson. And if they get spot injured and he needs to come in for a game or two, I think he's a would be, a I think, a, a good locker room guy, great personality. And you're right, tough as hell. I, I like Sam Ellinger, yeah. too. I'm a Texas fan, so I a soft spot for Sam Ellinger, for sure. For sure. For sure, absolutely. All right, Dan, so um, next week we're off. We are off next week. And then week. we yes. are going to come back and we will do a complete first round mock draft based off of if we were those teams, who would we pick in in, in that moment? Correct. That's going to be yep. fun. And uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And that'll obviously the, be the week of the yeah. draft. So we'll get to know very quickly um, whether or not we were correct in kind of our assessment. Because the draft is so that, what, the 29th? Really the 29th? Yeah, Thursday. So the 29th, then on believe, Monday, right? it, Monday, May 3rd show, we will be. A hundred percent reaction to the draft, oh, yeah. yes. and probably talk about yes. the draft a lot of May. And I, I do think we will look back at these quarterbacks and then say, "All right, that's where we had them ranked. Now let's rank them again based on of where they ended up. What I think their level sure. of success will be in the NFL." Absolutely, I, I think there's a lot to look forward I love to. So, no show next week, everyone. So we'll have a week off. Enjoy that, and. Um, Enjoy the next couple of weeks of baseball. Baseball is back, obviously. We had, we had opening day uh, not too far far back, and uh, we're full swing into baseball mode as well. So go out there, go outside, enjoy the great outdoors. I know it's been nice weather yeah. pretty much everywhere for most of the, the month here. And, um, and we will see you back here in a couple weeks for that mock draft episode. A lot to look forward to there. So um, we will see you here on Monday, April 26th.